podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today once again I'm joined by Lawrence Corner. welcome back Lawrence, how are you? It's good to be here mate, it's, uh, I'm well, I'm glad of the international break, chance to, f- for the boys to, to regroup hopefully uh, and get kind of planning almost a mini season up until the winter break, or up until the turn of the year. Well the big thing last season, we think back to the turnaround um, after the winter break, Lawrence, whereby the club goes away to Dubai, comes back rejuvenated and in the second half obviously goes on uh, to win the league. And I think as Celtic fan, you're, you're looking for some kind of turnaround. It's a much shorter period of time. It's not as though the players are all going to group because we've got so many international call-ups. Um, but I am kind of you know, pinning my hopes on the fact that this break is a natural break whereby we can come back in the second half of the season uh, basically, and uh, you know, show the signs that you know we are going to go on a, a long-term run. There's not going to be any more of these false dawns. I mean, do you think that's possible under the circumstances? Listen, Lenny's proven in the past. I know you may have your doubts if you can do it again, but it's proven in the past that you can use breaks, and as you touched on last season, bring back a team and get it firing on all cylinders. Hopefully, we've had. Uh, a bad luck with injuries and corona casualties so far this season. We know other teams haven't been affected as much as us so far. After international break, big Chris is going to be great to come back. That's Chris Julian, not the other big Chris, big Ayer. I hope he's not playing for for Norway because we'll we, come we, back we, to that. Yeah, because Chris, there's a chance he might be. 
Yeah, you know, are Norway really going to care if he gets injured? You know, if they get 60, 70 minutes out, and they, they don't care if they send them back injury. Injured, do they? They just want results for their team. Uh, Griff is away with, with Scotland, isn't much needing minutes for Griff and his legs. Lenny doesn't seem to think so, but uh, yeah, I think we can definitely use it to come out a bit better. Gavin Strachan will have been in longer. The players that are left behind, hopefully, whatever ideas he's got as first team coach, he's got a bit of time to implement them during the break or get his messages across. There's a bit of time for reflection. Hopefully, Lenny and Gavin are watching the videos of recent uh, performances and, and just highlighting what we can do better. You know, you, you touched on me doubting whether or not uh, Neil Lennon can do it again, if you like. And, you know, what I'd like to say about that is I trust that Celtic have got a squad of players who are capable of further success this season. And by success, I mean winning the league. That That is the, the absolute priority. And I've said already on the podcast a few times, Lawrence, that on a personal note, I would like to win the league and I'd like to win the quadruple treble. And, you know... I'd like to win a whole lot, but I'd be satisfied with that this season. My biggest concern isn't due to the loss of form, and nobody can deny that there has certainly been a loss of form, the patchy form. It's down to the things beyond that 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 Neil Lennon has mentioned himself um, after the two European games, Ferenc Varos and Sparta Prague. And if you take the content of those two interviews, they would suggest that there are underlying issues, dressing room issues, training ground issues. Uh, cultural issues, players wishing to go, etc, etc. So that's what I'm basing it on because you're not only trying to get people playing a system, you're not only trying to get people back fit so that you've got your strongest team, you know that form is temporary and players will start to play well again. Look at El Yunusi, he's flying, whereas at the beginning of the season we were uh, you know, finding it difficult to, to get a performance out of him. But my concerns are deeper and I'm hoping that this break will allow some of these issues to be ironed out. Um, and, you know, we don't know the full extent of the issues. We're only going by what Lenny said. So the comments I've made are beyond the football because I think when I look at that Celtic squad, we have a squad of players capable, more than capable, of being a success this season. But the doubt in my mind has actually been planted in my mind by Neil Lennon himself. You know, the Ferenc Varos interview where he says there's players who want to leave and he took the opportunity post-match to to bring that to our attention. And then the Sparta Prague interview where he's talking about a cultural change, he's talking about attitude, he's talking about players being lazy. That's what concerns me. So don't get me wrong, it's not because I have a vendetta against Neil Lennon. I would love for Lenny to turn this round. I would absolutely love for him to turn it around because the priority for me is for Celtic to continue their domination in the game. When we look at the international break, a couple of guys you mentioned there. Firstly, Griffiths. Right, so Lee Griffiths is obviously in the squad for the three upcoming games for Scotland. And there seems to be a renewed interest in the Scottish national team amongst a lot of football fans. I don't know what your interest is in the national team, Lawrence, or if you have any interest in the international side. It's a number between minus one and one. Just like, it's in the middle. Oh, minus one and one. All right. My interest in international football at the moment is always um, towards Celtic. So I'm looking at the players that are playing uh, for Norway and for Scotland and the Republic of Ireland and wherever else our players are playing because we've got a quality squad, which means that a lot of our players are out there and they're involved. 
But I am looking at the, the job that Steve Clark's done. I know that Steve Clark has previously been quoted and been interviewed for the Celtic manager's job previously. Um, and I think the job he's doing is reminiscent of Craig Brown's. He's basically shoring up the back line. That's his absolute key attribute as a manager, I think. That's why he done so well at Kilmarnock. Yet, there's a sprinkling once of real quality in that Scotland squad. It's absolutely no surprise that most of the players I'm going to mention have played for Celtic, play for Celtic, or should have played for Celtic. So you've got guys like John McGinn, Stuart Armstrong, Ryan Christie, Callum McGregor. You know, real quality. Uh, Andy Robertson, Kieran Tierney. You've got Griffiths up front. Um, and I do, I do think we've got a collection of players, but I'm looking at the game on Thursday night, and this isn't an international podcast, but I'm looking at the players on Thursday night, and I think that Clark will go for a nothing each draw, and he'll just hope that we get a set piece, and he'll be looking at the likes of Griff, Armstrong, possibly Christie, to try and nick a win in extra time. Yeah, I have no idea who they're playing. Uh, I couldn't care Come less. on, you do. As long as the Celtic players don't get injured, they can back fit and available for Celtic. That that's I suppose my extent of, of my interest in it. But the issue has been the issue minutes. has been in the last international break that the break was pivotal in Celtic season. It's one of these things that has created issues for Celtic has been the international break last time round. So it is an important topic. And uh, obviously in the past we've always hoped that players come back uninjured. Now there's a double whammy. We don't want the injuries, we don't want the illness to yeah. come back with the virus. Um, but the point that you actually made and the reason we're talking about Scotland is the Griffiths issue. So it's obviously a fitness issue. It's been well documented. He came back from pre-season. He wasn't fit enough to join the squad over in France. It took him a while to come back into the team. When he did come back into the team, I mean, he's come off the bench to score against St. Johnston, Aberdeen, Sparta Prague. He's shown that he can be an impact sub. Griffiths himself, I'm sure, wants to play a bigger part for Celtic. But it sounded this week that, that Clark is going to utilise him as that impact sub. So let's say he gets 20, 30 minutes in three games, Lawrence. Um, I would have thought, as a casual observer, that would be good to get minutes into his legs, the match fitness is getting built up. But the comments by Lenny was that he wasn't he wasn't convinced that that was a good thing for, for Griffiths. How could it not be the case? Would he have rather Griffiths at Celtic working on his conditioning? Yeah. Uh, the comments is definitely he, he was rather he was at Celtic now, whether it's working on conditioning or other things in his games I don't know uh, but Griff has definitely been you know he scores goals we're back to it looks like we're going to play what one forward well, we know Griff can can do that what was it 40 goals or something 40 goals under Ronnie I mean you look at his goal scoring record throughout his career going back stretching back to Olivier Dundee even Wolves, Wolves I mean yep. he was a goal every two games for Wolves Prolific for Hibs, prolific for Celtic. Um, I think, you know, when you look at his entire career, he is a prolific goal scorer. But what he gives you as well, Lawrence, is you win a free kick 30 yards from goal and then, you know, all bets are off when it comes to Griff. On top of that, he seems to give the team a lift, doesn't he? He's got that, he's got that desire to win that shows on the part that shows that he's trying his heart out. You know, I don't think I've ever seen or heard Griff criticised for why he wasn't trying today or He's chipped it up. He seems fit or not. He seems to to be running about, putting a shift in. He makes an impact. Goals. Yep. He makes an impact. He's he's you know the only time I think this season that he's been fairly anonymous 
It was the first half against AC Milan. That game might have been too early for a, for his first start, I reckon. Uh, it's the only time where he, he's not impressed. But any other game he's come on, he has made an impact. Against AC Milan, he was still putting the effort in all, wasn't he? He, he was, of course, but didn't yeah. get didn't get his customary goal. I think that's what we're saying there, isn't it? And I mean, even uh, against Rangers, when he comes on, launches an incident whereby you know I know that you were you were shouting for him to go down. Oh, you yeah. were criticised for saying saying as me much. Me and Andy Walker. Um, you were criticised for telling Celtic players to cheat, um, but no, you weren't saying that. You were saying that he had to be cuter yeah. in, in a situation like that. I actually thought his biggest error there was he should have just put his foot in the ball and looked up rather than try to squeeze it in because, you know, the shot wasn't on. But even against Rangers, there was an impact. There was an instant impact that we had missed for the best part of that game. And that's what Griffiths gives you. Um, I would be hoping that Griffiths would come back fitter. I can't see why he wouldn't. Yeah, for me, you know, you hear everyone talking about, oh, he's no match fit, you need minutes to get match fit. That's what you need. This would seem minutes to get match fit, wouldn't it? But what would Celtic and Lenny have in mind for him staying behind? Surely it's not just conditioning work because apparently match fitness is you can only get when you're on the park. Is there something else they want to work on with him? I don't know. Is there some other worry with him or some other lying issue that they're, they're working on and treating at the moment and perhaps that treatment has to stop when he's away from the club? I don't know, but Lenny seems to think it would be a better idea. I think it comes away. down. I think it comes down to Lawrence. If you've got the three international games, the training uh, in between those games is less intense than what you would be getting at Celtic Park. And I think the conditioning and that side of the game is what, obviously, Lee Griffiths is lacking to the point where he's not starting for Celtic. I'm not jumping on this bandwagon um, that Chris Sutton is driving at the minute to say that he's out of of shape and he's overweight and he's a disgrace and all that because I'm not subscribing to that. Um, what, What I think Neil Lennon is maybe focusing on is he wants to have... Lenny on, on um, sorry, Lee Griffiths under his own microscope rather than you know being yep. in the Scotland game when it's maybe not as intense when it, when it's the training you know yep. they're they're not international um, managers it's not their job to get a player fit to, you know if I talk about fitness increasing increasing his VO two capacity you can do anaerobic training you know in half an hour a day you can do that kind of intensity in that shorter period if that's what they want to build on conditioning. So it doesn't need to be four hours training to build that. They could do it in 30 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. So, and Griff should, I don't know well, if Griff's a good trainer by himself, but, you know, sure that there's gym and training facilities open to Griff if he wants to put an extra half hour in and work on his conditioning. Well, the, the big thing is, again, and we're talking to, uh, on a weekly basis, Stevie Mullen from St. Rocks, and we know that uh, during the period where he was left at home, um, and the, the Celtic squad went over to France and Tom- It's the Marketer's Report This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto Global Chief Marketing Officer Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy and we have to be very respectful about that Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Rogic was left at home as well, a couple of others. Um, he was working at James McGrory Park on his fitness, um, additional hours, and he was working hard at James McGrory Park. So you only go by what you know. So we know that that took place and Griffiths was putting in the, the extra hours and the extra yards. Um, in terms of him being overweight, I thought that there was a couple of things after the Sparta Prague game that I felt were, were particularly harsh. People might scoff at me because I've been accused of being particularly harsh at points this season myself. But one of them was Lee Griffiths being overweight and being a disgrace and not being fit. And that was Chris Sutton that said that. The other one, and we'll come on to this uh, other player in a, in a moment or two, was the stick in the, in the criticism that Moel Yunusi got for checking his mobile phone. Yeah, I mean, Griff being overweight, I've seen it on pictures in the forum and somebody puts on there. there you go he's overweight you know when he's walking off a park and I'm looking at the picture and going looks fine to me I, you know I, I, I don't know it, to be honest it doesn't look overweight to me but, but you know what do I know I'm just glancing at him I'm, I'm not weighing him and checking his BMI index and get everything that Celtic's got it's something getting some information because looking at him as a, as a guy it, it doesn't appear to be overweight and out of shape when you look at him but yeah he's not starting so maybe Sutton is getting a wee bit more information than, than we can get visually just by looking at Lee Griffiths. I thought that initially, Lawrence, because we know that obviously Neil Lennon and Chris Sutton are still pals. They're mates. Sutton said that himself. But there was two different there was two different takes from Chris Sutton after the game. First of all, very, very critical. Very critical of the players over the manager, yeah. I felt. Uh, and when you read that, or when I read it, certainly, I thought... That's a message. There's a message there that's uh, obviously filtering through from Neil Lennon. That's what I felt after the game and the emotions are running high. But then there was a like a, a following day, there was another piece that, that Chris Sutton wrote in relation to the aftermath. And he was very critical of Neil Lennon. And he was focusing on the comments around culture, which you and I have yep. already discussed. And then I started thinking, well, maybe it was Chris Sutton's own view rather than something that had kind of filtered into um, his opinion by you know the the discussions he may or may not have had with Neil Lennon, but he was very critical of Lennon, and he basically said that you know if you're calling for a culture change, what you in essence what you're doing is calling for a manager change, and, well, he, and he did say that. Yeah, at this point in the season, because you know transfer window shut, so you can't change players. <laughs> we've already done, we've already strengthened, you know, sixfold yeah, a squad that that was good enough to win yeah, the treble def- last season. Hopefully, we'll definitely strengthened, uh, but, but I suppose. On Sutton, he was also complimentary of Griff's ability as well as slaughtering him. He wasn't completely, you know, it was just on his condition, wasn't it? But he was saying he's a fantastic talent. And on the transfer window, we spoke about it before. I think Celtic fans were generally happy with it. Was Neil Lennon happy? We know he wanted wingers and got none. And we know he was after a Sampdoria centre-half, who's a, who's a tall, quick, athletic centre-half, apparently available for between 9 and 12 million euros, and he got Shane Duffy. We know Lenny can pick a centre-half normally, you know, look at Big Virgil. Uh, Duffy's deficiencies have been that he's slow. So, although generally I'm happy with the transfer window, I can see why Neil is maybe saying, if you got me my first choice, that boy for Sampdoria, and a centre-half, a quicker centre-half, which is what I want, he was my first choice, we would have had a better transfer window if I'd had wingers or I'd had more options. So maybe that's where Lenny's bristling it. He just wants it to be better. He's not saying it's been a bad one, but it could have been better. I think uh, the rat, uh, Brendan touched on it, didn't he? Uh, when he said we don't get a first choice, targets a lot. I know, but again, this is very much by hindsight because 
I think uh, obviously we done quite a few podcasts talking about the transfer window, and it was it was a very impressive window at, at that right. moment in time. The club are tweeting it out; they're delighted with it. There's this question, I think, Lawrence. No one in the modern game um, has complete control over everything that happens, like managers did back in the day under the the days of Don Revy, Brian Clough, Jock Steen, Bill Shankly. Uh, you know, it's a completely different game. So we realise that players sign for football clubs that haven't been identified, stroke selected, um, stroke agreed by the football manager. And one of the, the, the most recent examples of that was Marion Schwedt when, when he signed yep. and, and Rogers was like, who? You know, I'm sure he'll be a, a great player for this club. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he had no idea about this young kid and it was disrespectful to the player. It was disrespectful to Celtic for him to say that. But the concerns around recruitment were kind of raised again and you're thinking is this the thoughts of the manager filtering through someone who is close to the manager when there were comments on Twitter by David Lowe and he was talking about the head of recruitment being to blame for the bad silence now you can't you can't on one hand say right let's give Virgil van Dijk to Neil Lennon but um, let's say Shane Duffy wasn't his signer I think we can say I think it's agreed it's been a good transfer window well I think perhaps Lenny's looking going you know it could have been better I, I don't think there's any doubt that the board and the finances they put up has kind of surpassed the expectations, certainly, of, of what we've been used to mm. in terms of transfer windows. We're still, you know, errors were made, bringing in players late again, you know, taking forever to get them over the line. Yeah. That's a constant, for me, that's an error. Maybe for Celtic, that's a few weeks' wages saved. I don't know why we leave it so late to bring them in. We obviously know Lenny was on record about a couple of wingers, and, you know, he was after that centre half. It didn't get him. So Lenny's going, well, that's how it could have been better. I think Lenny himself would say, it, I'd be surprised if he wouldn't say it was a good a good transfer window in general. I think he's just saying it could have been better. Mm. And one of the things, he, weaknesses he identified is a weakness that's kind of come back to, to haunt us, a lack of pace at centre half. There's, part of that has been down to injuries. Part of it's been down to coronavirus. Maybe it's down to, to Shane having to play three games a week when he's used to playing one or two a month. I'm going to ask you about Shane Duffy. I'm going to ask you about Shane Duffy because again, you know, I was critical just before the Motherwell game. I wasn't surprised that he was left on the bench. Uh, Lenny has commented on him. But Lee Griffiths, so we reckon he's going to be on the bench for the playoff. It's against Serbia, by the way, Lawrence. Right, okay. Uh, The Euro 2020 playoff. Uh, Clark has kind of made it clear that he's been very impressed with his uh, impact substitute appearances for Celtic and uh, I think the big thing for me with Griffiths is he is key at set pieces he's shown that for club and country um, the way that Clark plays he'll be pushing for a nothing each draw uh, if he can get a goal on a break great if not he'll go for a nothing each even if that means right through extra time he'll it'll be a back to the wall performance and he'll be looking for something like a set piece uh, for, for Griffiths to to step up to the plate as he has done so often for Celtic and Scotland, uh, famously against England. So I think it would be a good thing actually for Lee Griffiths. I'm going to disagree there. I actually think it's a good thing that he's involved and he's going to get some minutes under his belt and hopefully he'll come back uninjured and fitter than he is prior to going away. Hopefully minutes and goals and he comes back high in confidence and fitter, yeah. Now we're going to be looking at all the uh, or many of the comments coming through on the social media, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube 
channels. If you are watching on YouTube, please subscribe to uh, our YouTube channel because we are pushing the, the figures up as much as we can. And that allows us to broadcast on a regular basis. When we've got a match, we often put out four or five broadcasts in a day. Uh, generally on a, on a weekday, it's the 12.30 bulletin, which is getting some great audience uh, figures as well. And this Sunday... Because there's no football, we've decided that we're going to uh, hook up with another Celtic podcast, Lawrence, and we're going to do the bulletin with another Celtic podcast. Would you credit that? That's class. Is it like a, an old-fashioned battle of the bands? Is it battle of the podcast? See who gets Aerosmith run DMC style, possibly. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to get them in, and uh, that'll be interesting to get a different take on Celtic from a different podcast team. Uh, so look forward to that. That will be on. Uh, 12.30 on Sunday so let's have a look at some of the comments now John Sweeney you're commenting on YouTube welcome to the show John every game is a must win because we are asking how are Celtic going to return are we going to have this transformation are we going to have this turnaround that we're all kind of hoping and praying for Neil Lennon included Uh, so John Sweeney says every game is must win and hopefully still in touch till we get to the transfer window and we must bring in at least three new players for the defence as Barkas and Duffy or not cutting it. Now the big thing again, when you're looking at the transfer window Lawrence, is we brought in six. Now, people might argue uh, and cite David Turnbull when I say this, but I don't think any of the six were project signings. I think they were all first team players that we would expect to be playing, not always starting, because that comes down to form. But um, I think the six players came in. We've already mentioned, uh, you know, we've got three players coming from the English, the EPL. Um the English Premier League with El Yunusi, Duffy uh, and of course um, Ayeti coming in so high standard of player and you know if we get bring another three and that's almost a full team I mean really do we really need that kind of wholesale change to a, a team that is going for a quadruple treble uh, I would hope not you know I hope we get to, to, to January and players that have been out injured, are back, players that have been off a of form are, are taking a wee bit of time to up to speed, they're up to speed. A new goalkeeper, I'm looking at Barkas and I, I, he's, I don't think he's had any glaring errors, but I think he's probably needing a big save or two just to build his confidence. Uh, it looked as if he picked up a, an injury in the, cla- in the clash with Duffy, so... It's January, you know, if you're still going for 10 and big Fraser's available... I've heard that. That's a yeah. question, isn't it? I've heard that, that coming question. up again. I've heard it coming up again, and um, you know, I'm not convinced Celtic would uh, go down that route. I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, when you're looking at where we were, um, you know, at the end of last season, going into the transfer window, who were our goalkeepers? All right, Fraser Foster, Craig Gordon, Scott Bain, right, and then you've got your backup. Uh, I think uh, you know Hazard was called up for Northern Ireland, wasn't he? The first yeah, team. Connor Hazard's really high, highly rated. Uh, he's had some loan spells. He's obviously third choice at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a big keeper. Apparently, great future ahead of him. You know, remember Marshall got to start against Barcelona, put through him into the prominence, didn't it? So, yeah, he's, he's highly rated. Uh, Barkas, I don't think we've seen enough of him to say that he's I, not going to cut it. No, I don't think you can write him off at this stage, Lawrence. You're right. I really don't think so. I mean, he came in for some criticism early on in the season. That came back, um, and it was kind of media-driven, I think. But uh, we were unhappy, I think, obviously, with the overall performances. We were trying to pinpoint what is the issue in the defence here. 
Um, but, you know, Duffy has been one of the issues. A lack of pace at the back obviously has. I think Laxalt gives you a lot of pace at the back, yep. as does Frimpong. We'll come back to talk about Frimpong in a minute. Um, but really, it's a case of trying to find, and I spoke about yesterday, you know, that triangle that we had. We, and I spoke to Andy Lynch about this. Andy Lynch spoke about having the, the two centre-halves and the goalie. They've got to have an understanding. It seems kind of obvious, but if you don't have that, then it filters throughout the whole defensive setup of that, that side. We had it, um, you know, we had it with Craig Gordon, Denier, and Van Dyke, and I thought that was that was solid. That really was solid. You're then looking at Forster, Julian Ayer. I thought that was a good, you know, defensive uh, framework to build on. This season, we've not had that. We've not had the consistency of team selection through injury, of course, but. Um, We've got to make that decision now. Stephen Forbes, do you think Bain should keep his place after the international break? His more vocal leadership style could be a strength during this difficult period. And, you know, as I say, I mean, Bacchus was never dropped. He was injured. Yep. He's just not got the jersey back because obviously Bain, as far as Neil Lennon is concerned, has played well enough. I don't think you drop him on the... You don't you don't drop him based on his performance against Motherwell, certainly. That's got Bain. Could he have done better with a goal? Did he... Did he... I, don't, I think it could have done better with the goal. But so, is that a droppable offence when you've won 4-1? So, as long as we win a keeper can have fouls and keep his position, would you say? Well, well Arthur Boric did. <laughs> Arthur Boric, you know, he was good at a howler here and there and he, he did, it yeah, didn't I, result in him being dropped. I think maybe the difference is it's... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Yeah, a bit more intimidating to tell after they'd be dropped. <laughs> you never know how he'd react. Listen, mate, he's in the cubicle having a cigar at halftime. <laughs> yeah, um, but listen, it, it, it's one that's up for debate. You know, we'll never know, go, know, know what we've got in Barkas unless we play him. We do need to get a settled flat line. I know Gary down in the comments on the, the podcast often has said, you know, I knew, you know, switch between three keepers some seasons. Mm. But at the moment, I, I, I think we're in some kind of... Stability. Yeah. And it, some of it is, it's, you know, it's enforced through COVID and through injury. You're looking at, you know, did, did Welsh do anything to deserve getting dropped? Well, he's completely, he's completely out of the, the first team squad now. Yeah. You know, I mean, he started the season out of the first team squad in fairness, didn't he? You know, he was still listed as, probably still listed as a reserve player on the, the club website. But did he do anything to get dropped? I thought, you know, he looked, he looked decent. He's quick enough. He wins his headers. He's coming at the worst possible time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a strange one to say that because obviously we're the, the team going for the quadruple treble and, you know, it's always good to remind ourselves of that. But he did come in at, at the worst possible time because we're in a bit of disarray at the back. I mean, I, I go back. Let's talk, you, you brought up Foster and I've seen a lot of comments on social media, Lawrence, talking about go out and get the big man back. He was a pivotal 
aspect to Neil Lennon's team last season. Nobody can deny that. Um, first time round as well, when you look at some of the big wins, I mean, some of the famous ones, Foster's key to that, right? Um, can Lenny only be a success with the goalkeeper, the big man, Fraser Foster? I don't think so. I don't think he is. Listen, he's been a massive player for Neil Lennon, whilst Lenny's been the manager of Celtic. But we went for him, we didn't get him. Does that change in January? Who knows? We've spent four and a half million quid on a goalie. Let's go back to Foster when i seen a turning point in Foster. You remember the game against Hearts at Celtic Park when Wanyama scored a fantastic goal from about 30 yards. Foster saves a penalty. Yep. Now, leading up to that, that game, Foster was under the cosh. He was under the spotlight. Celtic fans were not convinced largely. I remember when it was announced it wasn't the permanent signer, I don't think. I think it was his second loan and it was on the night of the, the Sion game. Remember the, when yep. they got... Did they not play a, a no, player that wasn't registered and all that? It was this Celtic Park, it was a horrendous game. Chad Uri sold the jerseys that night. And I remember when it was announced that we'd sign them again. Nobody was overly excited about it. What was the complaints? Doesn't command his box for a big guy, should claim more crosses, doesn't get down quick enough. Just about everything you can, no good with his feet. Just so about what, everything about yeah. a keeper. So my complaints point, about him then. But the point is, Lawrence, you, have to, you, have, you do have to persevere at times. Yeah. And yeah. I think... You don't go from being a four and a half million pound record goalkeeper signer for Celtic to being a, a bad goalkeeper who's useless overnight. But we've not seen enough of him. So I, I suppose once we get to January, you'd, if Ben keeps the gloves and's doing really well, he's keeping it Barkas out of the team. Why would why would we need to go and get someone? You know, if Ben's performing well enough to keep Barkas out of the team. Barkas has come in and performed really well. Would Celtic go back to Big Fraser? Because, but from Celtic's point of view, that was a done deal. Uh, and the same comments in the press would suggest that Fraser, they feel let down by him. They feel that he kind of went back on a deal that was already done. Or, you know, their expectations weren't met from Foster's behaviour. So I think you're right. That, you know, cracking keeper, but would Lenny kind of swat in Celtic's for their pride and go back for him if we're, we're struggling for a keeper at that time? You know, if Barkas and Bain are doing well, I doubt they would go back in for him. If they're not doing well, it's and we're still, you know, going for the league and hopefully the fifth treble in a row. It's a big decision to go, well, we've got two keepers not performing well. Foster's on the bench at Southampton. Because things might change for Foster. If he's, no, if he's in a Southampton team, it's it's a no-go as well, isn't it? So, but if he's still on the bench at Southampton, it, it's a big question. I don't think right now we need to sign another keeper. Come January, that might change if Barkas has had a run of games and he, he's looked absolutely terrible. But, you know, that's one for the future. I suppose it's a decision we're only going to make in January. It's centre-halves. Julian comes back in. Duffy's maybe get more acclimatised. Well, I've seen a young Welsh quite like him. You've got Ayer. You've got, hopefully, Alhamid and Beaton remaining fit. So, you you know, if we're injury-free and the defence starts performance, are we going to say, right, we've got Shane here, we're paying a fortune for him. He's now doing what we thought we'd do. Let's go and buy another centre-half. Let me ask you a question then, Lawrence, because I, I take all of that into account again, you know, by the same token, Shane Duffy doesn't become a bad player overnight, right? Yep. Um, we're probably looking at the moment for a combination that works at the centre-half position. And that, and I say a combination, I mean that triangle, I mean the three, and that includes the goalie. What is the best combination there then we can work from there? Let's say we're going to Ibrox. Are you confident with Scott Bain in your goal at this moment in time? That, so that's a question. I, I don't think it comes down to 
I don't think the confidence comes down to who's in goal. I for, think for it does, because if you go to Ibrox with Fraser Foster in goal, I'm a confident man. You're more confident. I'm very confident. You're, you're, you're more confident. but I, I don't Quite think, a bit more, though. I don't think the, the keepers at Celtic, Bain or Barkas, are bad that you'll be going, oh, we're not going to win a game because they're in goals. Is, is, is that what, what we're saying? We've got to the level that these two keepers will go, well, no chance of winning because they're in goals. No, but what you do get is you get a performance from your defence a lot of the time based on the man who's influencing them behind yeah, behind it, the, the two centre-halves. So, and this season, our defence has been all over the place. But so it's also about how the defence is going to perform. Of course and, it is. So but then... Although it's influenced by the keeper, it can't be solely down to the keeper how that well, of course performs. it can. It goes down to the 11 players on the park. But our issue this season has been the defence. And part of that, massive part of that, is we don't even know who our best goalkeeper is. So we're talking about Fraser Foster. Who would you be more confident going into a battle at Ibrox with right now? Foster, Barkas or Bain? Well, Foster's there, been there and done it. Foster's a better keeper than Bain, I think. I think, without doubt. Barkas, I don't think we've seen enough of. That's well, what it comes down to. He hasn't had one big save for us. Robert yeah, Highland went. agrees Brilliant with you. Brilliant save. We've not had that yet. Robert Highland agrees with you. Uh, he's commenting on YouTube. No one knows if Barkas can cut it or not. He has not been given a chance and has really not done a lot wrong. I think he's he's part of an overall issue with the defence, Lawrence, and a lot of the time, you know, you're looking at the goalie, but you're also looking at that goalie to command your defence, and we're bringing in the, the island captain, and you think to yourself, right, he's going to lead someone like Ayer, who often is described as a guy who's rough around the edges, a rough diamond. I think it's been another way about it. He's looked like the influential kind of captain. Like you sometimes forget, Ayers only twenty-two. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. He's, been, he's got a lot. Of, I mean, he's started fit twenty-two. Is that seven first-team se- seasons under his belt? Mm-hmm. Made first team when he was fifteen, didn't he? He did, aye. Because obviously, um, you know, in Norway, I think that they, they are. Uh, they're not scared of throwing in youngsters. Remember, Dyla done it with Martin Odegaard, fifteen years of age, yep. gave him his debut, ended up at Real Madrid. But um, I think that's the biggest issue. There is this whole view that, you know, you just hope that it resolves itself because we've got, we do have quite a few centre-halves. We were screaming for Shane Duffy to come in when Julian and I were fit yeah, and playing together. I think we realised, I think it looked like Lenny wanted to move to a back three at that point, didn't he? I mean, I think... Do you think that's been scrapped? Do you think that whole concept of the back three we can see from the personnel it's not working and we're going to remain with the four. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that? I think that's going to be personnel-led, who's fit and who's not. Because I, I, I think Lenny's idea of a bit boy for Sampdoria is right, I'll play the black, you know, I'll play the back three. We've not had everyone to choose from, so I think the change has been forced on him. The last game looked good, game before it looked terrible, game before that looked good. It's been up and down. And we've changed formation a couple of times this season, so a lot of it enforced by COVID or, or, or injuries. So I don't think we're going to see the last of it. No, I think it's going to depend on who we're playing and what personnel we've got for it. We're back after an international game. It's Hibs away, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a big game. If Barkas starts and saves a penalty or pulls off a wonder save, maybe that gives everybody confidence in him. You know, we need the three points there. If Barkas is a cracking game there, I think we'd all be a lot happier, wouldn't we? Oh, definitely. I mean... He was the guy that we, we brought in to be the number one. Yep. He's been brought in to be the number one. You don't spend that kind of money. Celtic don't spend that kind of money on a goalie to sit on the bench. Um, but it comes into form, Lawrence, as you say, and we do need probably a big performance from him. 
Um, but I think the same could be said about a few guys in that team. Yeah. I think we needed a big performance from El Yunusi. And we got it. Yes, some of them have uh, got doubters to answer. I, I, I think we started off this series going, as left back, the position we've got to worry about. And it's probably the position that I'm was least worried about. Yeah, it was all the discussion, wasn't yeah. it? With Taylor and Laxalt, or Taylor and Diego, with, with Comp, that's the position I'm probably least worried about in the team at the moment. Mm. I've got left back, we've got two guys that can play that position and can mm-hmm. play well. Mm-hmm. Now, people say Taylor doesn't beat a man well. He's got... A decent record in assists, he's got, you know, and goals from his full-back position. I think he's solid enough, especially as a second choice behind Diego. And Diego, I think, has been a re- revelation since he came in. Mm. So left-back, we're, we're happy with, I think, now. Oh, definitely. Uh, Without a doubt. Right-back, I think it's still unresolved. We'll try to develop Frimpong into a right-back. I don't think he's ever going to be a right-back, but... Danny seems to rate him highly. Lenny rates him highly. They, they, they see the potential there. So, you, how do we develop players if we don't play them? We don't have a reserve league these days to develop players in. We're using losing young players to. He's, buy he's developing. He's de- developing at the highest level. He's developing on the European stage. You know, so yep. he's making mistakes at that level. Yeah, it, we, we're losing young players because we don't have a reserve league and we don't have someone to develop them. So here's a guy we are developing that, that is making mistakes because he's developing. It's maybe a bit of rough with the smooth there. If we want to develop him, we know he's going to make mistakes. But we've got El Hamid. I think it's a decent back, back up right back. Um, who's first choice for me? I'm not too sure. Because we lack a bit of height as a team. We know we're susceptible to set pieces, cross balls, free kicks pumped, you know, into the centre of our defence. And midfielder, Small in stature, you know. I don't think we've got six foot, foot in the midfield, have we? The tallest midfielder's probably Beaton, but he's, he's not he really been utilised there. Yeah. yeah, yep. So, out of guys that play midfield, are we getting them to Elanusi's 5'10, what's Brown about 5'10? Certainly, the centres are, are quite small. Yeah. Christie's a, a, a fair size, Roderick's a giant. Yeah, big, big ro- so I, probably Big Tom's the tallest, eh? Mm. Yeah, but. I think, you know, as a team, we're, we're lacking a bit, of, a bit of height. So, right back, maybe El Hamid. And then, if you've got Ayer and Julian fit, they that, get that's two big boys, isn't it? That's yep. two big boys. And you've got Duffy, potentially on the bench, or potentially starting with him if, if we go for a three. I think midfield, we need to sort out the centre. I think Cal Max wasted how far back he's playing. Uh, Brown's playing an awful lot of games. God knows what Turnbull and Sorrow are doing at the club. Do we see them as... Direct replacements for Brown. Do we just see them as backups? Is Brown going to play forever? You know, Christie is all action. No complaints about, about Ryan. Tom's come on to a bit of a game when he looked as if he was going out of the club. Moyes hit form. And up front, Eddie's off form. Uh, yeah, he initially was right in amongst the goals. He's still looking good. Klamala, you know, I think he's a project player and we need to get Griff fit. So if, if we get Griff fit, I suppose it you're not so worried about the fall, because Eddie's a class player, you know, that, a downturn in form's not going to last forever ever for him, I think. Not for a guy like, off his class, no, you're right, it's, it's a temporary thing with uh, Edward, and what frustrates me a wee bit is when you hear the comments in the press saying, well, you know, he's taking the eye off the ball, I think it was Andy Walker, um, because he's interested in moving elsewhere, and, and he's, he's instantly blaming his form on that. The boy's just come back for COVID. Yeah, and people talk about long COVID and how long it takes you to recover. We don't know, but uh, 
you were touching on Foster giving the team confidence. Mm. I tell you what, everybody recognises the class that French Eddie has, and I think he definitely lifts the team and scares the opposition when he knows he's on the park. Whether he's on form or not, I think they're still frightened of him. The big thing for me again, it looks as though Lenny's happy to revert back to the four at the back, uh, Lawrence, and it looks as though he's, he's reverting to one up front. But the, the problem with Edouard is the minute, as you say, comes on the park, there's he gets the ball, there's two or three people around him. Now, he's actually capable of getting around them and, and taking them on, but what we've seen when Griffiths came on into the side last season was that the space developed by uh, Edward, you know, people swarming around Edward like moths to a flame, gave pockets of space that, that Griffiths could exploit. But if we're not playing two up front, we don't see that. Yeah, anyone that's taken more than one money mark should leave space for his teammates to exploit, whether that's a late run from... Callum is, is brilliant at, at late runs if he's playing further forward or whether he's playing with a second forward who's getting more space just you know without having to make the run just be done to that he's got Eddie's got three guys on him we definitely make, need to make better use of that when was the last time we see seen Callum cause him some proper damage was it against Aberdeen McGregor, I mean, he played well against Hibs. But again, it's one of these ones where I look at the players, I'm not that concerned about our offensive players, I've got to say. I'm not that concerned about Ryan Christie, Tommy Rogic, El Yunusi. Right, if Edward's off form, we've got a Yeti, we've got Griffiths. That's not my big concern. Um, my concern at the moment is the defence, but the defensive areas include Brown and McGregor at the moment because yep. they're, they're lying so deep. Um, either replicating a bit of each other's work probably is there enough variety between the two of them at the moment no because McGregor is playing a similar role to Brown which I don't think is his best role Lawrence so, uh, if we were to change and say right Brown doesn't appear to the legs to be, to be box to box against Motherwell we played further forward but Motherwell got a lot of chances against us our best defensive midfield player is Beaton well, we could say what about St Scott Brown right? you just patrol the area between the centre halves 10 yards into the opposition box and we go 4-1, 4-1. Callum, you push further forward. And ask Brown to cover less ground. I, I, I don't know what the answer is at the moment. Beaton, I said at the weekend, why aren't we giving him a chance in front of centre-halves? It's more natural to drop back and make the third centre-half when the, the full-backs are, are forward. It gives us a, a bit more height in the team. We've got two tall centre-halves, whether it's Ayer, uh, Julian or Ireland Duffy, you know any of those three are, are, are well over six foot. I think Julian and, and I are over six foot four, aren't they? Mm. You've got on there. It's addressing a deficiency we've got because we know we're susceptible to balls into the box and we, we, we lack a bit of height. We could get beaten a run. It, I suppose you were talking about the partnership between the keeper and the centre halves. So What's the same between the centre halves and the defensive mids, isn't it? Aye, there's something not working. There needs to be an understanding in, in that, that area yeah, of the park. Absolutely, from say the halfway line back, right back to our goal. That area that they're responsible for is not working well. Whether it's coming early to, to clear balls that are pumped in, whether it's just closing down the opposition, there's something that's not performing as we would expect. Mm. Now, Ken Walsh, who is a regular contributor to. The, the broadcast, welcome back to the show Ken, I hope everything's well over in Ireland and he's, he's saying that Aira have three games, we can only pray that this gives Duffy some confidence for going forward we're going to need um, so no point throwing on scrap 
no point throwing in the scrap pile yet. I think this is an excellent point. So you look at the international breaks, sometimes you think, oh, can't be doing with that, let's get back to the, the Celtic games. You, you start worrying about injuries and illness, Lawrence, under the circumstances. But we could benefit on two fronts here. You know, and I'm hoping that we do. You could benefit on the Griffiths front, going going to Scotland and maybe playing a part in three games and getting more fitness, more match fitness, coming back uh, where he can play more of a part. Because obviously there's been some games where he's been left on the bench entirely recently. Yeah. But similarly with Duffy, three decent performances for Duffy. I mean, imagine I'm playing against England and scoring a winning goal and having a cracking leading captain's performance and he starts getting that confidence back and, and familiar surroundings within the international team where he's the captain he's a leader and he's not getting a flack that he's getting at Celtic Park at the moment that could be brilliant for Shane Duffy this international break I think is actually pivotal, it could be pivotal for players like Duffy and, and Griffiths so although you're not a massive fan of international football, Lawrence I think that there are some benefits we could really extract from this break no, d- Definitely, I mean as long as we stay away from PlayStations and injuries, uh, if players are getting minutes and building confidence and building fitness, hopefully, you know, Shane and Lee Griffiths are both likely to weigh in with goals, aren't they? You know, when Shane started, was it two goals in his first two games? If he comes back full of confidence and is bringing that back into the team, you've touched on Griff, if he he's great at set pieces, if he's back in the team putting the corners in, yeah, it, it, it could be good for us. We just need to avoid injury. We need to avoid any COVID-related stuff. If players you know, come back fitter and more confident, it can only be good. Oh, absolutely. Now, Patrick Murphy is commenting on YouTube. Nothing like working from home. The baby son down for his nap and acts him on YouTube. Hail, hail, lads. Great to see. Brilliant to see. And we're delighted that uh, the figures are going up, Lawrence. And I think a key part of that, obviously, is the fact that we are broadcasting on a daily basis. So get yourself subscribing on YouTube if you haven't done so already. Now, El Yunusi, uh, I mean, he was condemned by Chris Sutton, Paul Lambert and Chris Boyd, uh, who obviously just dived in there as well, um, for using his phone. This was after a fantastic performance against a Lille side. And I keep saying this as well, that performance and that result against Lille will improve with age because I think Lille's going to go into a, a really successful season um, and probably will progress in, in the Europa League. And then a the hat-trick against Motherwell. So was it all, all a bit over the top, the criticism of Moel Yunusi? Yeah, I mean, I said at the weekend, I, I don't, don't know who was checking his phone to have an issue with it. No, it's the guy's not performed the, the park of it, more of an issue with it. No, you touched on, you know, it could be, you know, it's breaking a club rule, it's undermining the manager a bit. I think it's blown out of purpose. Proportion. I'm just like, you know what? I think Lenny was set up a bit by, the, by getting the question. You obviously didn't know no one had informed him. What was Lenny's answer going to be to that question? Yeah, I'm cool with that. He's not going to say that because it's breaking a, a club rule. So he's got to come out and say something along the lines of what he did. And I think it's just giving the, the press another story to beat Celtic with, isn't it? You know, let, let's uh, get another negative story out about Celtic and beat them with. They mm. had a player on the phone on the bench. There's worse places to check your phone. Yeah. They're out. behind the wheel. Yeah, definitely. In the shower. Doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Tam Mannion on Facebook. Welcome back to the show, Tam. Uh, great to hear from you. The last international break, that's a good point. The last international break was catastrophic for us. The timing of this one, I think, could be beneficial. A wee break and hopefully break the momentum of the team playing out of Ibrox. It's actually a good point. There's no doubt there is a real belief in momentum 
um, coming out of Ibrox. Absolutely no point in denying that. That's the way it is. We're up against a serious challenge. We need to get our act together. But, you know, one thing that hasn't happened is they've not had any real adversity this season. And you would expect over the period of a season that that probably will rear its head. And you you wonder how that could be managed with a squad that's not as deep as Celtic squad. Yeah, touching that, I mean, they've not had their injuries. Uh, they've not had any COVID punishments or penalties that perhaps other clubs have suffered like ourselves in Aberdeen. So why they had, they had no penalty from the Scottish Football Joint Response Group, who knows? You've touched on the squad's not as deep. It does look like they'll progress from the Europa League group, which is going to give them more games to play, more congested. Just now it doesn't look like we're going to progress. Could that be a benefit to us over our already congested season? You know, we already had two extra games, which, you know, from last season's Scottish Cup. So would we benefit being out of Europe after Christmas and then being in it? Being stretched? Hopefully. You know, we'll take any kind of benefit we'll get. So they're going to, at some point, come up against injuries. We've lost James Forrest, huge loss to us, huge loss on the right-hand side. We're missing him cutting in, we're missing his goals, we're missing his assists, or just the pace that he can break up the park with, that you know, he can take the ball, take the pressure off. At some point, you know, they'll get, they'll have their, their troubles. Uh, and hopefully, you know, Lenny's got his position to take advantage of it. You know, a few weeks ago we were talking about it, it says it's not, although the team wasn't performing great, and we're not, it's really about how you perform in the running from January to 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 uh, when the trophies are handed out, isn't it? January to May. That's the, what's going to make you champion or not, isn't it? Well, that all depends. It all depends. I mean, the the issue that I would have with that, because normally, yeah, I remember Ronnie Dyla losing a game against Inverness Cali. He rested a few players. We went up there, we lost 1-0. He was resting the players for the European qualifiers, such as the way with Celtic. And you weren't that concerned because you knew that at some point during the season you're going to pull that back. I think that's all right if you don't have the serious challenger breathing down your neck. And I've said before, Lawrence, I actually think that we're going to be um, at a stage at the end of the season where the, you know, the league's going to be won by a point. It's going to be won by a goal. It's going to be very, very tight. And the one thing I would say is whatever has been lost so far, so you're looking at the Kilmarnock draw, you're looking at the defeat against Rangers, whatever's been lost, um, we can't afford any more slip-ups. I think this last season and the season before were told away the series challenger. They, they, me, they looked to be in better form than they were those seasons, but they went, in, they went in a, the, the winter break last season having won the league, didn't they? That was the, the the chart that Celtic were finished. You know, we ended up winning the league, putting a run together. They fell apart for you know for whatever reasons. It may happen again. You know, get the guys right. You know, they've not had their injuries. They've not had our corona uh, challenges to face or corona penalties to face. You know, it will come at some point in the season. How they're going to handle it? Will they revert to type that they've done over the past few seasons? Or will they rise to the challenge? We don't know. From January onwards, we've got what three old firm games. So you've got it'll be January, March, and April probably. Or it's it December we play them. I can't remember, but you, you've got three kind of in the back half of the season, so to speak. If we win those three old firm games, big bearing on where the league's going to go, isn't it? It certainly will have a big bearing on where the uh, 
the main trophy goes, without a doubt, Lawrence, I'm still bemused as to the reasons behind Rangers fans coming on this broadcast, but I have been alerted to yet another abusive one, and they have now been blocked. Uh, final point of the day is coming from Kevin Graham. Kevin joined us yesterday. Did we try and change too much too soon, and we have ended up in a period of transition instead of solid bets? Well, if we did, what you would hope for, Kevin, is that the changes will bed in and hopefully they can um, in the second part of the season thanks everybody for getting involved on a Axon Bulletin today your comments on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter have been much appreciated but all that's left for me to say is thanks again Lawrence Connolly for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind thanks, keep the faith Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.